to Uptime Jive. My name is Tyler Pino. My name is Michael Holler. And uh, this week we did not see Pixels. This week we did not. Uh, it, we decided it'd probably just be better if we took $12, ate it, and then gouged our eyes out. It has the same effect as watching Pixels from what I hear. It's like that Asian lady in the subway commercial where she goes, she's like at a... a, like a I don't um, know what kind of commercials you're watching, but I have not seen this commercial. It was years ago. Um, it was probably before you were born. It was like, I don't know, maybe 2010. So uh, she's like, I don't know, she's in like a laundromat or something, and she just takes a $5 bill and eats it. And they're like, $5 footlongs. It's like eating a $5 bill, but tastier. I think that was the point of the commercial. Does that make you want to eat a Subway sandwich? Not necessarily. Does the fact that uh, Jared Fogel uh, likes little boys, does that make you want a Subway sandwich? You know, to be fair, I was almost actually, I was going to go to a Subway the other day, and I was and I was there and I was looking at it, and there's a really big poster right next to the door of Jared's face. Really? And I was like, uh, uh I heard they were supposed to take all of those down. Like, somebody posted a picture um, on Reddit of, like, the ways that they got around it, and, like, they were slapping pictures of Ron Burgundy on his face or just crossing it out. One put a paper bag that said, Not Jared. <laughs> I'm not famous anymore. Take the Shia LaBeouf route. Do you know what happened? Like, did you hear about what happened with Shia LaBeouf at MoMA? No, what happened with Shia LaBeouf? Well, I guess, I think it was at MoMA. It may have been, like, in a Los Angeles one. Shia LaBeouf. <laughs> Apparently, okay, so his his exhibit was he put himself in a chair oh, and he I tied himself that. up and he said, uh, Go do anything it. you want to me. Didn't someone, like, shit in the room he was in? No, I heard, well, maybe. I didn't hear that. What I heard was he was raped. Which, what? Yeah, that's what he says. Um, and I laughed when I said that, but I guess that's not funny. No, it's really not. But, like, well, here's the thing is, like, how did that happen? Like, was there no one around? He was just, like, security, uh... Yeah, were there no security cameras? Was there no one with an earshot that he could have been like, Hey, stop, this lady is, like having sex with me i don't want it <laughs> was i just it, like the most con- like, was it, like, i guess maybe it was someone like a private like tearing, room tearing his clothes off and she and he's just like i please stop yeah yeah please stop maybe well he did say do wow. whatever you want That's... does that qualify as uh, consent no i think so yeah that's not okay <laughs> um so, I guess the moral of the story is A... God, we're not even two minutes into this, and then there's already a rape joke in it. What, what the fuck? Moral of the story, A, I guess first and foremost, don't go around raping people, but second moral of the story... Don't be Shia LaBeouf. Uh, don't <laughs> put yourself on exhibit and say, do anything you want to me, when you're outside of earshot of anyone, I guess. I don't know, it's a strange story. Yes, it is. How was this not everywhere? I don't... How have we never talked about this? Because this happened about years ago. I heard about it on a different podcast. I I remember when this exhibit happened. I do remember when like, people were... Did you go to it? For it? I did not go to it, no. Um, well, you should have went to it, because then we would have had more context for this whole thing. You could have been like, oh, well, clearly there weren't enough... There wasn't enough security. Yeah. I was, yeah, I was right behind the person who allegedly raped Shia LaBeouf. Um... No, but I, I remember this, and there that was not one of the things that was said. I remember people were talking, like, yeah, a lot of people were like, what the fuck was with Transformers? Um, <laughs> a lot of people that did that. Um, that was, <laughs> I would have stood in line for, like, eight hours to say that. And he'd be like, did you ever see it? I'd be like, no, but come on. 
<laughs> Come on, LaBeouf. I think it was... Um, God, I think it might have been Screen Junkies. It was some on-screen performance. Um, but they, they... No, they went to that exhibit, and they just had, like, the Transformers movie, and they're like, what the fuck? I mean, I, it could not be Screen Junkies. I'm not sure. I can't remember exactly, but they're just like, what the fuck happened? And it just kind of got past the point where I'm like, yeah, this is funny, and it was like, uh, this is kind of mean. Like, you know? No. I mean, just because someone doesn't make... Just because someone makes shitty movies doesn't mean they're necessarily bad people. This is, of course, an exception to the rule when it comes to people like Uwe Boll or Michael Bay. They are terrible people. But, like, Shia LaBeouf, not a bad guy. You know? Kind of a bad guy. He plagiarizes a lot. That's true. He did plagiarize his first screen screenwriting gig. He plagiarized an entire graphic novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was an issue. And then his apology also was, was plagiarized. plagiarized. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of awesome. That was that was that was ironically apologized. I did. I I kind of like this post actor Shia LaBeouf a lot better than I ever cared for actor Shia LaBeouf because he was. I mean, I don't think he's a bad actor at all. Um, I, I think he's a, a a very good actor who takes terrible movies, but because uh, like looking yeah, back Wallace on like good. Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, oh that was bad. He was good in it. I just didn't like that character. I didn't or the movie. Like, yeah, and I or didn't the, like the movie or anything about the movie. But I, I like this post acting fuck it Shia LaBeouf where he's just like I don't care anymore. Well, I mean, you have heard he's an actual cannibal, Shia LaBeouf. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, he, apparently, from what you have told me, he financed that. He was like, I'm totally okay with the song if we could stage it and record it. I imagine. That's, that's what I imagine. Okay, so I you made that up, God. so fuck you. Um, no, but, I believe I told you. Like, I hope to God this is what happened. I don't listen to you when you talk. You don't listen to me ever. Well, how could I listen to you when you're not talking? Exactly. Now you're being... Ab- Subtext. Now you're just Pino. being absurd. Your fucking face is absurd. Um... So, Ant-Man, we were supposed to talk about Ant-Man last week, and then, uh... We do, we You have... want to know what happened? This wasn't just uh, a Mikey Chan's computer exclusive. This happened across all Apple machines... Did it? ...in the world. So I didn't fuck it up? No, technically, Almost uh, fucking... Gian fucked it up? Gian fucked it up, yeah. God damn it! <laughs> God damn it, Gian! No, um, there was a... There was an OS X update that was making GarageBand not function, so they had to release a, a patch or something. But it should we'll be working. We'll fix it now. in patch. Right. Um, well, we saw Ant Man last we'll, week. I really we'll enjoyed just, it. We'll, we'll, we'll release that. We don't have that. We don't. Wait, we only what about have the, the stuff. That's the half that got uh, deleted. We have half of a podcast from last week. Wait, the, what was the half? Uh, the Suicide Squad uh, trailer stuff. So we don't have any of the Ant Man. We don't have any. Yeah, of the we really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, it was good. Um, I was reading, I was on Heroic Hollywood today, as often I do when I'm lazily trying to slap together a podcast. Um, it was kind of every week. Yeah. Uh, Umberto Gonzalez, you know who that is? El Mai... Has... What is... I, I see him on Twitter all the time. I want to say it's El Maimbe, but I could be wrong because I don't know what that means. I don't speak Spanish. You barely speak Twitter? English. I, I, I'm not going to argue that. Um, anyway, he's... Yeah, El Maimbe. I was right. Um, on Twitter, he's he's the guy from the Latino Review. Um, he's breaks these like Marvel stories every five minutes. Like he's kind of the go-to guy for that. Somehow he's got this network of ends that. Uh... Anyway, he was talking about Ant Man, and he said it was the first uh, superhero film that he wanted to walk out on. Really? Yeah. Um, 
and he said, uh, I have the headline right here. It's Marvel Studios' first minstrel show, Michael Pena's Luis in Ant-Man. And he says he didn't appreciate uh, the way that that character was portrayed. Well, I mean, because the, the there were a lot of stereotypes, and I will agree there yeah, to an it, extent. It is kind of funny that the way they portrayed the the stereotypes in that show, because yeah, sure, white guy Paul Rudd, like he's the uh, oh, he was a criminal, but don't worry, he did it for completely moral reasons, sure. and that was why. But the the Spanish guy, the black guy, and the Russian guy—they're all career criminals. <laughs> hey, Russian people are white, and also sometimes Asian, like the ones close to Mongolia. Right. But it's just so like check your I, that didn't impede the movie for me, and I mean, it's it's not. See, it's, but isn't that kind of the definition of privilege? Because you are not from that social class; you don't have to live with that stereotype. Exactly. It didn't. That's where me. I like. I'll tell you, like, I, I I totally get where he's coming from when um when he's saying this. It's like it didn't bother me, but I'm a white guy. Well, yeah, and you're the you're the one that me. it's not supposed to bother specifically. Listen. Um, I, I, I get where he's coming from with these things, but he also says... How that, is the structure of the movie? I don't care. Couldn't get past the white guy. Well, and this is where, um, that's, that's where it starts to fall up. Like, I don't, I, I don't like him throwing the entire movie under the bus for this one thing. And that being said, I also feel that that character, like, there were some Latino stereotypes, I suppose. But A, apparently Michael Pena was, uh, supposed to have improvised a lot of that. And he was hilarious in it. Oh, he was wonderful. I thought he was really funny. Absolutely hilarious. But um, I, I don't like he, th- he throws the whole movie under the bus for one character, but I, I also don't like the argument that it was this completely superficial, one-dimensional entity. Because he wasn't. He... So I, I'm actually kind of trying to think, like, other than the fact that he was, like, a, a criminal mm-hmm. at one point... That would be the only thing, like a negative stereotype that I'm really seeing with him. I mean, he speaks with an accent, but the guy's got a fucking accent in real life. Yeah. I mean, it's not like it was, it's not like he's putting that on. It's not like he's an English guy coming over and like doing this He's not Christian Bale. Mexican yeah. dialect. He's a Mexican actor. That, but anyway. And he also, the character had multiple dimensions. He goes back and he saves that security guard. You remember that? Yeah, I do. He was very, he was a very um, engaging character, mm-hmm. one that made the audience laugh. A lot of people say that Michael Pena stole the show for the movie, and I, yeah, he was a, a good character. Um, well, he, I personally feel that Michael Douglas stole the show. Yeah, I think it was. I think everybody was good in this, um, especially Michael Douglas. I thought he was very good as well, especially as a character that he's playing a character that used to be his wife. They didn't mention that in the movie. What? Hank Pym yeah. literally punched his wife in this one comic. <laughs> oh. I don't re- I have no idea what the context is. I just know that that's something that everybody talks about. Oh, They're like, okay. yeah, he's like a he's a wife beater. Like, he's not like Sean Connery though, right? Maybe not. Maybe not. <laughs> I don't know. But one of the comments cuz one of the things that he said was um um, 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 that uh, non-Latino people are saying that he stole the show. And I'm like, okay, I guess, because both of us were non-Latino. And we didn't see it with any Latinos that I'm aware of. We all loved that character. That was one thing that we talked about after seeing that movie, the uh, four of us that saw I it. I hate to break this to you. I am actually one sixteenth Latino. That's disgusting. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. No, are not. you mad because I don't have an accent? 
You, you do have an accent. You say rum instead of rum. Shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> it's just not like a Hispanic one. I don't know. This is a whole lot. Anyways, so you're saying? Um, he said that like there was an outpouring from the Latino community on Twitter, but reading this his website, um, all of the comments. This one in particular, the top voted comment, it says, Completely disagree. I'm a proud Mexican-American, and I didn't find anything offensive in the portrayal of Luis's character. Sorry to say, but this sounds like hypersensitivity. You say his friends and relatives speak in the same stereotypical manner that he did in flashbacks, which he, he, he did say this in the article, and I was like, as I was reading it, I'm like, wait, no, they were dubbing his voice over the thing. It was like... It was a stylistic choice to show that. I'm like, what? Yeah. <laughs> of course they're going to sound like him when it's literally him When it's speaking. literally him, yeah. Um, that was an artistic choice to emphasize his storytelling and otherwise and rambling. He said she, he said she said, uh, heard it from etc. etc. was instantly recognizable and funny to me. As for him being an ex-con, oh please, am I supposed to be offended every time Latino plays a criminal or ex-criminal? Sorry, sir, I don't buy any of your arguments, I think, Luis is a great representative of the Latino culture. He's brave, loyal, cares about his family and friends, and in the end, he's a hero. I got to keep the van. <laughs> <laughs> he, he went back to save oh. the security guard he knocked out before building and imploded. Here's Except not the other two he knocked out, like, moments before that. Yeah, but you know. Oh, and then he also goes on to say, there's nothing stereotypical about a Latino that's into neo-cubism neo art museums and wine tastings. And I'm like, that's what I'm saying, is like, they're, they did... Throw some other stuff in there just to make it. Uh, he was a comic relief character. I mean, yeah. paint with it broad strokes. It wasn't like it wasn't like how the African American community should have gotten upset at Jar Jar Binks immediately after Luis of Phantom Menace. And I don't re- necessarily remember that outcrying, but there should have been one. Um, I, I I don't remember there being like a huge controversy other than the fact that people hated that character and but people pointed out like that was literally not even just like modern black stereotypes that's like minstrel show stereotypes that look yeah. like and i mean right that, down to saying like misa yusa yeah that, that is that's a, that is that's like, that's a slave thing yeah um god that was such an offensive movie on that movie was offensive just not on only any an intellectual level but a, a racial level as well so it was I mean, offensive on every it was offensive level. on every possible <laughs> level the visual level the audio level mm-hmm. okay uh, but to but to wrap to up Man. that that Entity, uh, that, that that argument. Um, yeah, I am I, not offended by it, but then again, I'm not the kind of person that would be offended by no, it. No, so you're the peop- not... you're you're the kind of person that does the offending. Right. Um. I. I it's not my argument to have. I'm just saying. I think that. I think that's the argument you should little, have. It's a little bit unfair. Yeah. I I thought it was a fantastic movie. I was very very skeptical of it. And if you listen to our podcast, which probably turned it off, which you don't, which you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Y- you know we've been skeptical about this, and especially with production-wise, um, Edgar Wright dropping out of the project. It's it was very a very rocky start to Ant Man. Now I don't know if you're aware, but Ant Man was actually one of the uh, Marvel films that was trying to get off the ground at the time the init- the original Iron Man was announced. Yeah, they, I well what I had heard was Edgar Wright had been involved in it before there was a Marvel Cinematic. Universe, exactly. Yeah, he's been wanting to get this off the ground for a very very long time, mm-hmm. um, and he was the driving force behind it. And once he left the project, I was skeptical that that driving creative force wasn't going to be there. But Peyton Reed, I believe, was the director that Marvel hired after Edgar Wright departed from the project, and he did a fantastic job. Mm-hmm. Now, we didn't see this movie in 3D, but I hear the 3D is spectacular for this movie in particular 
Um, just because the way that they do size and scale and how everything looks stylistically when he is ant-sized. Yeah, I will say, like, the, the action scenes in this, the stuff where the 3D really would stand out, I think, I kind of want to go see it in 3D. Um, but it, it was like a, I would liken it to a roller coaster. Like, there was so much movement and, uh, like, him going down, like, the, uh, drain pipes and stuff, like, falling out of the apartment building and all of that, it looked like you were kind of involved in this ride. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of the, um, the Star Wars ride at MGM, or Disney Hollywood Studios now. Yeah, it was a very, um, intriguing, intriguing ride, and it was very, very fun, and I, I can't stress this enough, to see how an action scene plays out when you can jump back and forth between... Being the size of an ant and being, you know, normal human sized, mm -hmm. it's, it was just endlessly enjoyable. It right. really was. And I mean, there was a point in the movie where a character shows up that we're not going to spoil. Um, I mean, it was Batman. Yeah, exactly. It was Batman. And granted, like statistically, if you listen to this podcast, you probably haven't seen the movie yet, based on its opening weekend. Um, it it was great. Everything worked out in a very natural way. This was one of the... I think this actually was the first, other than Guardians of the Galaxy, the first origin story for a character we've seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe since the initial Avengers role introduced. Um, and it did it very well. I mean, the movie brought itself down to a smaller scale. It acknowledged that this get whole... It. Yeah, get it. It acknowledged that this whole universe is existing and that characters are here and that they are fully realized, um, which makes it kind of quirky i suppose uh after you know um michael douglas's character explains everything to paul rudd's character for the first time and uh paul rudd responds by saying i have an idea we're gonna call the avengers yeah. and it's just that kind of thing where you're like yeah i mean please acknowledge the fact that where are all these other superheroes yeah, and, you have um, to in these movies. I think that was one of the things with, like, Iron Man 3 that a lot of people hate that movie. I didn't hate it. I thought it was fine. But I have no... Uh, emotional I, attachment to Iron Man? Yeah, or, or like, the Mandarin or anything like that. So I could see what... Like, if I put myself in their position, if they, like, they took the Joker and then, like, put some stupid tattoos on his face, I'd be really upset. Oh, but, they would um, never do that. That's no, ridiculous. That'd be, that'd be insane. Um... But they didn't really acknowledge that there were any other Avengers in that movie. And I'm like... Uh... Or S.H.I.E.L.D. for that matter. Yeah. Especially, like and that was especially this. awkward when Iron Man 2 was a S.H.I.E.L.D. movie and not an Iron Man movie. Mm -hmm. um, but, but no, I, I really appreciate the way Ant-Man handled everything. Everything in it felt natural and organic. And it, it wasn't a movie where you had to sit down and watch every single other Marvel movie and every episode of Agent Carter and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. in order to get the plot. Right, and there there were little Easter eggs in there for the people that do watch those things. Yeah. Um, but, it, it yeah, the plot did not hinge on some TV show that's been running for ever. Yeah, and it, it, it did a very good job at demonstrating the fact that, yes, Marvel is this giant entity at this point. However, it can still do... Very, very good mm -hmm. one-off films. Well, and yes, I, I think that the biggest problem for me in the Marvel Cinematic Universe right now is that things are just getting so big. Yeah, it's starting to crumble in on itself. Well, that's that was my problem with Age of Ultron. It, like, it didn't... 
I would have much preferred them do like a smaller scale thing and not have to feel like they have to top themselves in terms of action and excitement and all of that. Um, and this, comparing this to Avengers, it seems quaint. It seems downright fucking quaint. Like yeah. it's a bank heist movie, but that's fine. It's it great because it was a compelling story. They focused on characters. They got you to like these people and, you know... Storytelling, it just seems like it's going out the window with these big, giant franchises. It's more It doesn't about have to be spectacle. bigger and better. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And that's what this movie took on. Mm-hmm. And I'm really glad they did. I mean, especially, like you said just now, they made it a very character-driven movie. And not only was the comedic timing of everyone's performance perfect, um, but it was also a very touching movie at points. It was a very emotional movie at times. And I didn't cry because I'm a... I'm a you know, hard man. I have a rough exterior. And I, didn't, I almost didn't cry in, in the middle part, but... Nobody thinks of you as a hard man. I do. Gender fluid, perhaps. <laughs> but, uh... <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it was a very good movie. Fuck you, sir. Um, <laughs> why, why? Oh, whoa. What are you saying? You got a thing against gender fluid people? Check your privilege. No, I, so. I, have, I have a problem. Shit, with you. Lord! I have a problem with you specifically. You fuck. Um, well, that's fine. No, I, I, I am a, I am a hard man, sir. I am all of the hardcore things. I, I'm hip. I can get jiggy with it. You want to go outside? I will fight you in the street, bro. Okay. Brofus. Brofus. Bro, brofus. Uh, Bruce of Stalin. Yeah. Republic of Bolivia. Bromeo. Bromeo <laughs> and and no, that's the end of it. <laughs> but um, I, I can't make Juliet into a broken. <laughs> <laughs> sure, someone could. Yeah. Um, but but no, it was it was a good movie, and um, if you're on the fence about seeing it, I would say definitely see it. This is a better Marvel film than the last one we got, <clears throat> and it's it's. It's interesting. I saw someone actually splice up. It was uh, the Ant Man trailer in Japan with the Common Rider TV TV show theme song, and it was no, be funny. it was pretty funny. Because uh, they all look like bugs. They do get it. They do get like it. it was, it's the only one that made me feel emotional attachment for ants. This movie. Yeah. You know what? Kind of like it. I, I can't say that it bugged me. It was just something that I noticed, and I was like, "Are they going to address this?" Because he keeps referring to all of the ants as like he is male. Yeah, I'm not getting into, like, a gender study thing there. But worker ants are all female. Um, like, worker ants, warrior ants. Like, all of the ants that you as humans encounter, they're female. And then, like, there's the queen ant. And then the males are just a very small subsection of the population. I was waiting for, like, a point where Michael Douglas would be like, you know, he's, he's not a man, right? Whenever he's talking about... Antony. Yeah, Antony. I was like... I feel like there was a joke in there, and they just never got to it. Ah, uh, maybe. Well, I mean, I was I was listening to um, shout out to Machinima etc. They were talking about uh, Minecraft. You know that video game. I'm aware of it. I played on the Xbox One. From Do time you? To time. Yeah. Do you? Oh, so is that what you got your Xbox One money mm-hmm. <laughs> after finishing Arkham Knight? Um, that movie has found a director, and I believe it's one of the cast members from Always Sunny. Which is oh yeah, it's uh. I don't know his name. Yeah, and they, they missed a very obvious, it's sure to be a blockbuster pun. I tweeted them that. They didn't respond. They Please like love you. me. No. Um, 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I, it was it was good, Ant Man. It was it was really enjoyable. Mm-hmm. It was I found that it was definitely better than Age of Ultron, in my opinion. Um, yeah, absolutely. Just from a storytelling Guardians? perspective, it works as a you know a three act fucking movie with yeah. a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say I enjoyed this more so than I did other Marvel movies like Winter Soldier, but I don't think anything's really going to top Winter Soldier for me. Yeah, I would say that's pretty much the, yeah. the top on my list at this point. Yeah, I would say it's maybe slightly below Guardians for me. Because I really, really did enjoy Guardians of the Galaxy. I know you didn't, really. I didn't hate um, Guardians of the Galaxy. I just went in no, with such like tremendous fuck. expectations for it. that like I watched that movie again recently, and I was like, yeah, I'm fine with it. Like The episode that we did about it, we were just kind of like, oh, man. I'm disappointed. It was before I was on the podcast. One episode before, in fact. Yes, I know. I, that was the one where I, I was listening to. I was like, I should probably do my research on these guys. I got halfway through. I'm like, uh, I don't really need to. Yep. Uh, <laughs> nah, I'm like, just I'm kidding. Guardians, but like, you know, we were talking about uh, talking about it when we got out of the movie, and we were all kind of a bit perplexed. And uh, where would you place this? Where would you rank this movie in terms of the Marvel films for you? Um... I would say it's probably the upper echelon. I mean, the bottom of the list for me, there's probably Age of Ultron, uh, The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2 and 3, um, the first Thor movie, and the second Thor movie. Yeah, the Thor movies have never been good. And Captain America. I mean, the the second one wasn't... The first one felt really small scale. And not listing all of these movies, I've come to the realization that I dislike a majority of the Marvel Marvel movies. Yeah, um... (laughs) Yeah, I think the problem that I had with the first Thor movie is it, is the fact that it was on such a small scale. Um, and not whereas Ant-Man is taking place on a smaller scale after the Avengers, but it just kind of... That small scale and the fact where, like, I really could give a shit if but fuck Nowhereville is wiped off the planet. Yeah. Like, um... It, it was a... And, and, it, and it focused on trying to be, like, a character-driven story and then did not decide to develop any of the characters. Well, the problem is, like, th- like comparing it to Ant-Man, like... I, I would say that it's just you know in the comics character. I don't give a shit about Ant Man I don't know really much about that character but what they did was and maybe is that way in the comics too I don't know um, but what they succeeded at in doing in this movie is getting me to care about the guy I feel like with Thor I never cared like I just maybe it was because I already know the story of Thor more than the story of Ant Man so I wasn't really compelled watching it through the whole thing but i'm like i just don't think it's a terribly interesting character i like thor in the avengers as a side character yeah i I like him when he's on a team it's kind of like how i feel about superman i'm like i like superman when he's in other stuff i don't don't like like straight superman comics 9-11 yeah i don't like him literally Uh, (laughs) but um but no, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I guess you're right. I mean, the Marvel movies, I mean, I didn't despise a majority of them. I, there were a couple that I just didn't like, um, but they're solid movies. I mean, Marvel Studios has a solid track record, more so than most movie studios. Um, if I had to say, like, a top list, I'd probably go Winter Soldier followed by um, Avengers, um, followed by Guardians, and then Ant-Man, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, but, like, when comparing them to other movie studios, it's, like, they're kind of unlike any other. Maybe, like, you could kind of compare them to somebody like Bloomhouse, where they kind of do... that. They also have kind of a shtick, where they have, like... It's either really artsy movies like um, Whiplash, or it's, like, really, really trashy kind of horror movies. 
and they have like a pedigree. But like you can't really compare Marvel, Marvel to Warner Brothers. I would yeah, because right? Warner Brothers makes everything. They do. I mean, it's more of a proper movie studio. They they that. oversaturate the market. Yeah, well, it's like you can't judge objectively one speaking. Warner Brothers movie on you know any other Warner Brothers movie because they don't necessarily have a particular aesthetic. That's not their thing. Marvel, they aim to you know have this uh, uniform. uniform. Yeah, yeah, uh, and I agree with that. I I think that's probably what's lacking for the DC universe is that one creative vision to tie it all together. That's why it just seems like a fucking bumblefuck of shit-tiered cluster shit. I ran out of curse words. Um, well, again, like, the, the, the DC cinematic universe as it stands is one movie of one so movie. far, yeah. yeah. And that um, movie is built on it's bricks. Terrible, so <laughs> it's, 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 like, it's like the cinematic universe, and Marvel built it up with Iron Man, and uh, they continued to build it with, you know, movies that were not as good as Iron Man uh, for a while. But they, they built it. I mean, they DC's starting off... They had a lot of, more of a plan going yeah, in. They had a plan from the get-go. DC, they're like, hey, let's make a Superman movie. Oh, let's... Oh, shit. Marvel's kicking our ass. Um, okay, so we'll, we'll shovel some other shit out here. Um, so it just feels like DC is building their cinematic universe with bricks of shit. You know? Mm. Well, I mean... Because if Man of Steel was the foundation, it's built on a layer of shit. And I disagree. Well, the first movie was bad, but what I do like about the whole Batman Superman thing, which we said on the last show, which we'll release maybe at some point, but uh, I like that this is a direct reaction to it, and it's not glossing over the fact that everybody fucking hated the idea of Superman destroying an entire city. The entire plot of Batman versus Superman hinges on the fact that the last movie was insane. Yeah. Um. Not saying and it's I think, necessarily going to be good. I think this movie good. was think... written for the fans. Yeah, um, and for actually not even written for the fans, written for the written for the anti fans of that movie. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, on paper, Batman Five Superman, it sounds like a great idea to me. Um, the problem is, I hated Man of Steel to the degree so much where I cannot enjoy it. We well, haven't seen it. But you can't, you can't shrug, and no one knows it. You just shrugged. I just, <laughs> well, knowing, yeah, but I'm just saying you haven't seen the I movie. I know, but knowing that Zack Snyder at the helm is not imbuing me with a sense of confidence. Okay. I mean, Ben Affleck was at the helm. Sure. I'm really excited for the Batman the movie. Mm-hmm. Again, it's a fucking stupid title. Um, but until that day, we'll just kind of see how it goes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that if I I really do think that Warner Brothers should spin this into like I I don't really know how it's how it works over there right now. They're not like the most open studio in the world. They don't really announce their game. They're plan not Sony. Like, yeah. Oh wait, that nah. was an accident. <laughs> well, um, Marvel went in with a very specific strategy, and it was a huge gamble that ended up paying off. But now they're basically printing money. There's yeah, they're still with with Warner Brothers. Like yeah, there's they're trying to cobble together this cinematic universe. But is there any one person? Is there a Kevin Feige at uh, Warner Brothers right now who's kind of godfathering all of these movies? Or are they just going? Okay, look, the Batman movies were super successful. We want to take that dark gritty feel and we want to make that everything. 
Yeah. Because there is a uniform visual style that you could kind of see. Well, but... I think John Peters, is there at Warner Brothers going, all right, listen, listen. listen. Can't fly. Flying looks fake as shit. Can't have a king. Can't have that suit. It looks faggy. And I, again, that is a direct quote from it John is, Peter. Yeah. And, it's not and at the end, he needs to fight a giant spider. Yeah. I watched that movie. Did you? Um, we can yeah, talk about it and add it to the other podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean... Yeah, our podcast has really got to stop turning into, like, DC, what are you doing? Um, I, I don't necessarily feel that... Uh, any animosity towards DC right now. I'm going to give him a shot. Yeah. Hey, you like that Furious 7 movie? Guess who's going to be handling Aquaman? <laughs> no. Yeah, but that's why he's done other stuff. Yeah, Insidious. It's a great track record. Hey, um, Insidious. The first Insidious was a very good movie. It was a very interesting movie. And if it planned to be a horror movie, then it failed. Um... And and what you, you can't just say that and then brush it off like everybody knows what you're it talking about. It wasn't scary. It was a very interesting. It wasn't film. scary to you, wasn't but like, what's the last movie scary. that really scared you? Uh, Babadook. Didn't scare me. Fuck you. <laughs> so I'm just saying that like, people have different opinions on that kind of thing. No, they don't. People yeah. are stupid. Yeah, well, I don't disagree with that. Yeah. But what's what's the last horror movie that scared you? Unfriended. It <laughs> was the last horror movie that scared me. Like I don't, Pet Cemetery. That movie did scare me when I was little. Yeah, um, that movie's fucking terrifying. When I, but I was very young when I saw that. Now I like it. Um, but I don't know. I'm not really afraid of horror movies because I'm a big, strong man. No, and you're I, not. Masculinity. No, you're not. Um, but I mean, yeah. I mean, you think any movie's gonna necessarily topple Jurassic World this year? I hope. Star Wars. Yeah, I think it's Star Wars as well. If it's going to be anything, it's going to be Star Wars. I keep forgetting that that's coming out this year because it's coming out in fucking like December the, end of the year. 18th. That's weird. Yeah. Did they always come out at that time? No. Um. Actually, Phantom Menace was a February release, if I remember correctly. <laughs> well, Which speaks exactly volumes. Where it belongs. Yeah. Um. Now what? You don't think that Point Break is going to give Star Wars any competition? I think it will. I can't imagine any fucking studio in their right mind going, you know what? We want this movie to make absolutely no money. Mm-hmm. We're going to release it on the same day as Star Wars. Well, here's the thing. Like, I had, I, if you were to tell me a couple of months ago that Jurassic World was going to beat the Avengers, I'd have been like, you're fucking stupid. <laughs> what are you? You kidding me? <laughs> apparently, I, I don't know everything. Most you things. know nothing, Jon Snow. Um, it was a, there was a reference to Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. Um, was that me or you? That was you, because my phone's on silent, you fuck. Because I am a professional. <laughs> Get your ass over here, T. We need a pimp. About to have first glass of champagne. Champagne showers. Well, if you need a pimp, ladies, I am not the person to call. I mean, I thought you would know that by now. Yeah. Tyler, you're supposed to be at a, a friend engagement, correct? Uh, it's a birthday party for my roommate. But you realize you hated your roommate and that you don't believe in birthdays because you wanted them to die earlier. Correct? I don't hate my roommate, listen, but listen. I don't believe in birthdays. Listen, with every passing birthday, I've, it means have you're you ever seen a birthday? Oh, then I'm good with that concept. <laughs> Just think of it that way. You're not celebrating birth. You're celebrating someone who is one step closer the to death. The inevitable end of my suffering. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's what it is. Um, 
Exactly. Yeah, you sold me on the concept. Of You're breakfast. welcome. Happy birthday to you. <laughs> <laughs> Rooster Teeth released a series recently called The Million Dollars Butt, and the one that I really enjoy. Million Dollar Butt? Million Dollars Butt. Um, and it's, it's a series, like, for a million dollars, you give one million dollars one time, but for the rest of your life, every time you hear the happy birthday song being sung, you have to run over to wherever it was being sang from, sung from, and eat that person's cake, the, the whole cake, immediately. Yes. You would do it. Yes. So if, you're, if you go out to a restaurant... And someone starts singing happy birthday to like a seven-year-old. Just run over, knock the seven-year-old down, start eating everyone's cake. I didn't even know that that was a stipulation or that was something I could do. But now, double yes. <laughs> double yes? Fuck you, okay? what, what if you're halfway through the first cake? A million dollars. And you, buy another birthday cake. And, buy and, you, and you hear happy birthday coming from across the restaurant. See, then I just stopped going to restaurants. I gamed the system. I stay home with my million dollars. Roll around in it. In the nude. You roll around in your pathetic pile of one dollar bills in the nude anyways, don't you? I, I don't have one dollar bills. You think I am a fucking Rockefeller? Yes. No, I'm not. Oh. Do you bleed? No. You will. Oh. Oh no! Have you seen the, um, actually what else was released this week was, uh, the trailer for Spectre. I just forgot. Yes, it has. Have you seen it? Mm-hmm. Looks weirdly yellow. <laughs> oh, that's the, that's the aesthetic choice. I mean, they went the same route with Skyfall. The beginning of it had a very yellowy tinge as well. Did it? It did. Well, I'm thinking, like, it's uh, mostly the scenes that are shot in Mexico. Um, because Mexico City's got, like, a are very... Are you racist? Uh... Colin, Mexican... Are you a racist well, against well, yes, yellow people? But, like, <laughs> probably. I, I'm not going to say that I'm not. I'm going to get called out on Tumblr. No, um... No, like, think about movies like, it's just gotta, good, fuck them. It's the worst place in the world. What what is Tumblr? It's it's a place where no original content is created, it's just Mm reblogged. Check your privilege, shitlord. I see, you just started using that phrase today and I still have no idea what it means. I use that phrase, uh, lots of times. This goes to show how much I pay attention to you. Um, no, it's Sam Mendes is back directing a James Bond movie, which is fantastic, because I... This is completely... No, no, it's not. Go ahead. Because I, for the most part, enjoyed Skyfall. Um, wasn't perfect. Wasn't as good as I thought Casino Royale was, but it was good. It'll be interesting to see Spectre and how it plays out. Um, I am a little worried because it feels like they're going down the classic, like, Pierce Brosnan-y style, Bond, he has all these gadgets kind of thing, which I know will make a lot of people happy. For me, it does not make me happy. Um... I really enjoyed Skyfall, I mean not Skyfall, um, Casino Royale for being that hardcore espionage film, and I praised it for that clever ingenuity and that hard, almost reboot of the Bond franchise, where like, alright. Oh, it's a total reboot. Yeah. yeah, yeah, well I mean it was technically the origin of Bond, because canonically that's where Casino Royale falls, it's the first novel. Um, and it, it made sense, and I really enjoyed that whole... Bond is not someone who wins the day because he's so suave and his hair is perfect, but he fucking, he fights for it. He gets the piss beat out of him, he gets his balls caved in by uh, Hannibal Lecter, and then at the end he still saves the day because he's a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not acknowledging Quantum Solace ever existed, 
because you know, I it's mean, not that movie's fault. I don't dis- it's, I, it's I, I don't strikes fault. You know, I, I I don't think that that movie would have been as bad as it was had it not been for the writer's strike. So I don't have anything against it and the people who made it per se. They had to do what they, they, had they to did. Do. What they did. They were on a deadline as best as they could do it. Exactly. Um, Does not that being said, I, yeah, I, I don't count it in terms of like the Daniel Craig film because it, it just it's at a disadvantage. It doesn't. Yeah. But um, Skyfall. It, it it was a nice it was it was more in reaction to everyone going where's Bond's gadgets where's the humor and the suaveness and they kind of like okay I mean we're gonna keep the Casino Royale feel but here's like a gun that recognizes his handprint and you know here's a couple one-liners um, and it was more acceptable to them and I thought that was fine like it was it was okay it still retained the Casino Royale quality even if the end of the movie felt like hard target and not like a James Bond movie I mean, sure. This one, you see in the trailer that he has, like, Q has his kind of area. He has the new Aston Martin car that has flamethrowers on the back of it, and he has, like, all gadgetry, and he's, he's spouting one-lighters, and I'm just really, really hoping that it doesn't regress back into Die Another Day. I, I don't think it will. I th- When I see that trailer, I'm like, well, they've kind of come full circle, and they're going back to the 60s aesthetic i see much more of connery's bond in this trailer than i do in pierce brosnan's bond yeah but um and i'm fine with that because the end of skyfall set that up it established that it was like yeah, it comes full circle it, it does it, it feels like a true character arc for the daniel craig bond character like we see where he starts out we see where he's rough around the edges and then he eventually becomes the spy um that we all know he is and uh, I'm super excited because this is going to be Daniel Craig's last Bond film, correct? It is. That is correct. I'm very excited to see what he could do from start to finish in that kind of world. I don't think that it's going to be anything like Die Another Day. I don't think it's going to be like any of those like ridiculous, Swear ridiculous Swear to God, movies. if he starts off surfboarding into North Korea, or Mexico, I think it is in the beginning here. Well, then he's going to get his head cut off by cartels because didn't you hear on Fox News or something? I'm assuming that's probably a story. Actually, no, I do know that there were there was a kidnapping that involved servers, and you know, like a Mexican thing. Was there? You think it's going to involve the cartels? You think that's going to be part of the plot? Or are we too like scared as a culture to even comment on that because they have so much power right now? I don't know. I feel like it's just going to be some random English guy because English are always bad guys. It's uh, Christoph Waltz. No, yeah, well, Christoph is Waltz the is the bad guy villain. as well as the uh, which is great. Yeah, he's kind of like born perfect. to play a Bond villain. Yeah, I'm can I'm I'm curious as to see if he's rep- not reprising a role, but if he's playing the character that we had already seen in the previous Bond movie, or if he's like this is the origin. Oh, is it of like character. is he gonna be the origin of like uh, fucking Blofeld or something? Yeah, um, because Spectre is an organization that. Take a shot. Uh, Spectre is an organization that's been in the Bond movies before. It was first introduced in the actual very first Bond movie, Doctor No, when uh, Doctor No was talking to Sean Connery. He's like, "I work for a larger organization called Spectre." Yeah, I do remember that. And um, and yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see how they they play it. And Christoph Waltz is like Javier Bardem, born to play a Bond villain. And um, God, he has a line in the trailer. It's like. I am the architect of all your suffering, James. And you're like, holy shit. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, he's he's the main villain in that. Um, if you're a fan of the BBC series Sherlock, which if you're not, what's wrong with you? Um, I'm watch it. It's fantastic. Um, the guy it's who plays... with Bember Buck, Cumble Bunch. Yeah, Cumber Cabbage Patch. Um, 
<laughs> Bened. Bumblebee Cabbage Patch. How do you say that man's <laughs> name? <laughs> Eggs Benedict Cabbage Patch. No, damn it. Uh, Doctor Strange, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. Con. Um, no, con! Um, God, that was... He shouldn't have been con. Uh, I disagree. Um, I, th- I I have no problem with him as an actor. I think he's very great, but like I, I did not buy him as as Khan, dude. I thought he was a very later. good villain, but we'll talk about... he he was he, he was, was just Khan like that was fitting you know what role. my real name is Khan, and I'm like no, my not. name is Khan. I'm like no, no, it's not. I'm just gonna pretend, <laughs> no, gonna pretend you're the other guy. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um. But but no, I, I what the fuck were we saying? Uh, yeah, the guy who is Moriarty in Sherlock is also another villain in this movie. Uh, the muscle, like the bad guy muscle in this movie, is also Dave Bautista. Really? Yeah. So uh, he was That's in the trailer. Another good lot. role for him. Yeah. Um, because like yeah, he could be like the odd job type guy. Yeah, and I think um, that's what he is. Like based on the trailer, like he's the guy that just is the guy that shoots guns at Bond. Yeah. And punches him in the face because he's fucking massive. Mm-hmm. And he has a beard in this movie, so he doesn't look like Drax. So that's okay. We haven't had that many of the Daniel Craig movies yet, have we? Have like we had the like odd a, job type character. Yeah, like no. a like a name minor enforcer. villain. No, we haven't yet. I mean, technically speaking, Lashif in the first movie was the minor enforcer. Yeah, but that's like it was. He, they reveal later on that he's not really the big bad. I don't Spoiler. Um, uh, I can't. Eyes. I can't even remember. Quantum God, Solace was, was about too. the the uh, the guy with the water I... monopoly and the general who's yeah. trying to destabilize the region. They had uh, who's the God? What is the name of the character? He's in the books, and he's a black guy in the books, but he was a white guy in this. Probably because they were going to make him evil. And you don't want to do that. You don't want to have the only black guy in the movie be evil. That's racist. It is racist. It's like casting Michael Pena as a Spanish person and making him Spanish. It's Pena, you racist. Oh, is it? I don't know. This was, it was funny because this was like the first time like he's been legitimately funny to me. I think he's fantastic in movies like End of Watch. No, I take that back. He wasn't black in the books. He was black in the earlier Bond movies. Okay, I'm, and then they, he's back. I just listen. Don't pretend you he read. He was a Texan. Don't. I remember it pretend from Casino Royale. You can read. I used to know how to read. The CIA guy, Mathis. Mm-hmm. Really? Wait. Yeah. Mathis is going to be in this one. No, no, no. I'm no. talking about. Wasn't he in fucking Quantum of Solids? Yes, he was. Yeah. And James, move your ass. Mm-hmm. It was like his one of his only lines in the yeah. movie. Does this guy look familiar to you? Nah. Oh, wait, I know this guy. This is James Bond, MI6. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But he was, I mean, he was kind of an antagonist in Quantum Solace because the United States government was working with Because he was for the United States. Yeah. And you know, you know, them separatists, them separatists, they're always. Yeah. I mean, those are fucking. Happy American Day. Those those fucking colonists, those goddamn. Um. Goddamn ungrateful shits. <laughs> the American government is mildly evil, so I'll go with it. Um, anyway, yeah. Have you ever heard of? Uh, I think it's Hardy's new burger, and it's it's a burger patty with bacon and hot dogs and nacho <laughs> cheese. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen. It's fantastic. It's yeah, it's fantastic. But but I mean, do we have Hardy's around here? I don't think so. Not that I'm going to go eat that burger. I'm just curious because we didn't have any Yeah, I'm sure you're going to go eat that burger now. I think we have... If I found it, I might. You um, know, actually, speaking I'm of... I'm going to seek it out, though. 
<laughs> Speaking of cartels, though, uh, did you hear about the the guy who was recently captured by the Mexican police? That uh, he Which was way? like is a... it El Chapo. We were talking yeah, about El Chapo so. on the last uh, on on the podcast that we're going to release on Monday. How he escaped? Yeah. yeah, you know how he escaped? Yeah, it was insane. It was it was in a, super like insane. a mile and a half long tunnel with a dirt bike and on a oxy- track. Yeah, an oxygen mask. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> it's fucking. It's like, but when you think about like how corrupt the Mexican government is allegedly, like, and how powerful the cartels are, why not just pay them to walk out the front door? Yeah. Like, other than this was so much more badass. <laughs> like, <laughs> to be like, you remember Andy Dufresne crawling through a river of shit? Fuck you, Fuck not you, El Chapo. Fuck you, this guy's dirt bike. That's not a track. The only way they could make it more badass is if they played, like, ACDC through that entire mile and a half long time. <laughs> I'm assuming they did. Because spare like, no expense. It's, it's like you get on your dirt bike, you pop your headphones in, and listen to Highway to Hell driving down this fucking thing. <laughs> apparently, apparently, though, this heist, it springboarded, um, it springboarded Ridley Scott into action to purchase rights to direct a movie about, like, El Chapo is in it. As uh, he's playing himself, as, like he's in it. Well, he's not in it, but he's, <laughs> he's the person of. Who, I was gonna be like, what? Not the actual person, but the the. I'm totally on board with that. The, if that the was person. The case. Not that I, I, not that I condone what they do, but like, holy shit, Ridley Scott's gonna make a movie about El Chapo, starring El Chapo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> El Chapo, El Chapo is a character in it. Like that person is in it, um, but the movie is based around fictitious people where. It's two, like, best friends, and one becomes a DEA agent, and the other becomes a high enforcer in the cartel, and El Chapo is just a character in it. And in okay. that book, it um, it tells a tale of his first time he's escaping prison. Now, I would assume that because this movie, or because this fucking thing was so ludicrous and insane, and springboarded this script into Hollywood, um, mm-hmm. that now it, it, this, this is going to be somewhere in the movie. Yeah. It would be really great if fucking El Chapo was playing himself oh, in this movie. So great. Like, they're like, we're going to film on location in Mexico, and the entire production crew gets, like, in a Mexican standoff, and they're like, okay, listen. We're not going to kill you. As long as I can play myself in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, you know, that's actually... that's. Uh... I believe he's the head of the Sinaloa cartel. I could be wrong, but I believe that the Sinaloa cartel, weren't they involved, like, not literally, but that they were in Breaking Bad. That was the cartel in Breaking Bad. Was it? I believe so. Was that the one that cut off Danny Trejo's head and put it on a turtle? Yeah. Oh. Oh, spoiler alert, by the way. Um, (laughs) Breaking Bad. That movie, that that series is such a masterclass at, like, establishing character and dramatic tension that they made the fucking dad from Malcolm in the Middle seem like a more intimidating badass than Danny Trejo. Someone Mm -hmm. who I firmly believe has actually killed an inordinate amount of people in his life. It's like they built that machete movie around him. That was just... That's a documentary. Yeah. (laughs) It would be great if at the beginning of one of those Robert Rodriguez movies is like, inspired by true events. And everyone's like, what? But no, that's the whole thing. Like, when... he when Robert Rodriguez Robert Rodriguez came up with the idea for the Machete character, it was literally just he looked at Danny Trejo and he's like, "This guy needs to be like the Mexican Steven Steven Seagal. Like he needs to be just <laughs> ridiculous and have this whole mythology built around him." And then he put him in Spy Kids because that's what you do with that character. Same universe, Machete and the Spy Kids films. 
Oh, that's same right, because his name is Machete. Yeah, that's right. He's Uncle Machete in that I movie. I can't yeah. fucking, I can't believe that I forgot about that, but holy shit, you're right. Mm-hmm. I can't even remember. I can't even remember anything about that franchise except the third one was garbage. Yeah. Were those all done by Robert Rodriguez? Because I know that yeah. Robert Rodriguez turned down directing Deadpool. Um, in favor of Spy Kids. In favor Kids. of Spy Kids 4. Worth it. There's four Spy Kids? Yeah, the fourth one. Fourth one is the one with the smell-o scent thing, where when you got a ticket to the movie, <laughs> they give you a, like a little a smell card, and like, scratch off number 21! It's the smell of duties! Mm. And you scratch off... It's the smell of duties? Yeah, and, and every, everyone in the audience like, scratches off the poop smell thing, and go, ew! That's... Not that I saw the movie. You totally did. I didn't see that movie in theaters, because I was in my late 50s when it came out, but... Um... They used to do that uh, for Nickelodeon TV shows. Like, you would buy the Nickelodeon magazine and it'd give you a little scratch and sniff thing. And then, like, when the Rugrats would smell duties, it'd be like, smell the duties! Because apparently that's all that those cards are good for. Everybody wants to smell shit in the movie. <laughs> Just fucking go outside into a New York City street in, like, a hot summer day. You'll smell it! Have you, okay, uh, have you been on the uh, A-line in the last month? Like, gone down into the little subway thing, like, right directly outside of the hotel? Oh, yeah. Why does it... It smelled like diarrhea for the last month and a half. <laughs> I well, shit no you not. It. No pun intended. <laughs> you know, I was actually out at, like, 4 a.m. one day. I forgot what it was. I think it was when I just got back from Japan. For some reason, I just walked into the subway, and I saw them, like, randomly hosing it down. And it was the most, like, half-assed done job I've ever seen of anyone trying to clean anything ever. If you're going to have to clean up other people's shit on the subway, which already is shitty, uh, I, it would probably be a half-assed job. It's like, fair enough. They uh, did a shitty job at it, yeah. Um, I don't get it. Because um, I, I remember um, the first time it started smelling like that, and that was because there was literally a pile of feces in the corner. But the smell has not gone away. <laughs> And, like, I'd, even if nobody cleaned it, you'd think that the elements would eventually get to it, that it wouldn't have that same exact odor after a month and a half. It would still smell bad, but it has to have changed its <laughs> composition at some point. It can't smell like a freshly pinched loaf for a month and a half, like the same exact smell. Oh, God. Yeah. You know, I was, I was talking with someone recently... And I forgot, I forgot what, what came up with the subject, but it was like, we somehow got into the, the subject of, like, horrible shit stories. It was probably from that, I don't know if we talked about it, I think that was the episode that Gian fucked up. But, um, someone in the dorms here was a hotel guest, took a shit in one of our stairwells, and we were just going over absolute horrible shit stories. And, uh, there is, there is one that had, sc- had scarred me <laughs> since my childhood. Um... Well, not even not in my childhood, but, it, but it's it scarred me since whenever my friend Anthony, thank you very much, Anthony, for showing me this, we found it online one day, and it was the funniest thing. I cannot get through this story without laughing. I don't think you've ever read it, so I'm going to pull it up now, and I want you to do a dramatic reading of it. Okay. Okay, does that work? Sure. Okay. <laughs> dramatic reading of this, guys, by Tyler Pino. Like a virgin... When I was 17, my girlfriend was finally ready to have sex. I, as one might expect of a 17-year-old, was excited. Neither hell nor high water was going to stand between me and my final destination. I get ready for the night, trim everything up, shower extra well. Unfortunately, there was also an issue. 
I have a digestive disorder that sometimes causes my shit to become large and quite solid while still inside me. I wasn't aware of it as a treatable problem. I just thought that everybody had to deal with the equivalent of an anal kidney stone. I bring this up because I had a mighty one, which had been loaded in the gun for several days. Let me set the scene. Her parents are away. We have her house to ourselves. She's a little kinky, so she demands we do it in her parents' bed. I walk into a candle holocaust. She's been working on this all day, apparently, and it's bright as high noon in there with the lights off, which is good because she proceeds to do a sweet, sexy little dance for me. I smile and tell her how good she looks. I'm sitting on the bed watching her, but unfortunately most of my attention is focused on the dull throbbing in my sphincter and the intestinal discomfort associated with not dropping a deuce in days. But somehow I still get hard and we go to town. We try a bunch of different positions. Due to my built-up distraction, I last for what seems like forever. She can't stop moaning and telling me how good it feels. And then she says what every man wants to hear. I want to make you come in my mouth. So she goes down on me. She was always average at best in the head department, but at least she tries. She pops my cock out of her mouth long enough to look at me and say, Tell me if you like this. Then I feel it. She sticks her finger up my ass. My brain hits the panic switch and every muscle in my body locks up. But it's too late. I let loose a massive, painful shit all over her parents' comforter. No, you aren't understanding. I mean huge, immense. Take the largest shit and multiply it by 42, and you'll have an idea of what flew out of me. And when I say flew, I mean hurricane-force winds hitting an umbrella stand. And due to my condition, it comes out as a large, dark, brown, smelly harpoon. Michael's lying on the bed, sobbing right now. I know it hit her. I didn't see it. She ran screaming, Oh my god, oh my god, oh my god, oh my god. Eww. I'd like to say I got up to go after her, but I heard the bathroom door shut and I just lay there. The smell hit me after a couple of seconds. It smelled like somebody rolled a cat in shit and threw it into the fire. I looked down and saw this huge pile of shit and I noticed the blood. Then I noticed the pain. There, there was a small pool of blood where my ass had been. A, a final reminder of the exact moment I lost my virginity. I grab my shit with my hands and I go to the downstairs bathroom, feeling a trickle of blood flow down my leg, trying to ignore the sharp pain stabbing my rectum. I find myself wishing I had a photo of this. Anyway, I finish flushing my baby, clean off my hands, jam toilet paper down on my cheeks. I, I skipped the band-aid and went downstairs, or went upstairs. I could hear my girlfriend sobbing from behind the bathroom door. I decided not to say anything to her and just keep moving. The smell in her parents' room was abysmal. The scene is burned into my memory for all time. My life, my shame, my first time smelled like a pile of dead babies. I quickly got dressed, and since the heat from 10,000 candles was making the room feel more like a porta potty, I was aware enough to grab my comforter on my way out and drag it downstairs to their washer, along with the top and bottom sheets, since blood had leaked through to the mattress. Still, no sign of her, but at this point I was considering it a blessing. I jammed in the washer, I jammed in the washer with three loads worth of detergent and set it to spin, knowing that... Are you fucking kidding me? 
I jammed it in the washer with three loads worth of detergent and set it on spin, knowing that even the hand of God would not save these linens, let alone tied in snuggles. Then I left. I avoided her calls. So she came to my house. We had a long talk about what happened. Talk about being synonymous with breaking up with you because you shit on me. <laughs> she promised not to tell a soul. She was probably as ashamed as I was about the whole deed because this was the most embarrassing thing that had ever happened to me. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the story of Michael Holler's first time. <laughs> that was a dramatic reading by Tyler Pino, and if you're interested in contacting him for voice acting work, um, please contact him at, all, at, at off-time, off-time Radio on yeah. Twitter. I could tell stories. I could do book on tapes. He can, dude, his next job, I believe, is a dramatic reading of Fifty Shades of Grey. This is called CollectedPoopStories.com? <laughs> I, I was I was trying to find that story. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, sure. I, I, seriously, I was trying to find that story, and that's the site I found it on. This uh, this is uh, <laughs> moderated by Michael Holler. Poop stories. Exactly. That's wait. That's my tell thing. your story. That's my thing. Your thing is poop. Gross. <laughs> well, now that that's um, out of the bag, I found our intro for us. <laughs> I think that this is a good time to call it quits because I gotta get going. Um, People keep calling me. I don't, but I have people that. What homeless guy did you have call you to pretend like you have a social life? Oh my god! Um, Those are the guys so yelling out front of McDonald's at three a.m. He's the guy that keeps pooping in the fucking subway. Is that oh, is, it, is it the same guy that poops in the stairwell here? Yeah, the story Probably. for a later date. Mm-hmm. Okay, Anyways. um, so ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for joining us. My name is Tyler Pino. <laughs> this has been another exciting edition of Off Time Drive. My name is Michael Holler. And my name is Michael Holler. And go fuck yourselves. Enjoy your burrito. And Chipotle. It's from Nerdist. It's a Nerdist thing. That's how they sign off. Is it? Do you think if I like just started saying it enough, people would start associating it with me because we're way bigger than better than Nerdist? No, not in the slightest. Well, fuck you. What, what's our, what's 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 we need an official sign off? Sign off. Yeah. Have what's... a week. It's Kevin no, Smith's thing. That's okay, yeah. Tell Rooster, him, Steve, Ro- Dave. Rooster, no. <clears throat> Rooster Teeth is um. Where are we going to go for lunch? I believe is their podcast. And what do we have? Witness me? Oh, wait, that's Mad Max.